Welcome to Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. I am your host, Demo. My co-host is Joe Taylor. This is episode 53. How are you doing, man? You're still good? I'm good. I'm okay. good. We're, we're rocking it, man. I know we're all going crazy out there. I know we say that every episode now. How are everybody doing out there? Everyone's going crazy. I'm glad people are here to listen and uh, we can hopefully distract them from all this. I hope so too, man, because you know people are watching a lot of... Uh streaming stuff right now so they they need you now more than ever right yeah. we are first responders i believe <laughs> you know technically there can only really be one first responder I mean, right it's a term that's thrown right. around we're essential workers yeah i think so <laughs> whatever i don't know i'm being stupid yeah. let's just get into it okay, man. we'll get some emails i'm sure okay go ahead i would hope for some emails <laughs> please anything all right i'm going to start off with a show that i love this is in my top 10 all-time favorite shows. It's so fantastic. It doesn't get the love it deserves. I find that whenever the Emmys come out, people have forgotten about it. Yeah, it gets some nominations here and there, but it's never really won anything, and it deserves to. I dare say it's probably the best show on television right now. And it is? Better Call Saul. Yeah. Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. This is from the guy... Who didn't even watch Breaking Bad, right? So I have a surprise for you. What? I started watching Breaking Bad. You did? Yeah. How far along are you? Uh, four episodes. Okay. Not very far. Not very far. What do you it's think good. so far? It's it's good. Look, it's I've only going to get better. I've never denied that. Look, now you haven't watched The Sopranos either. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what, Joe? Did you start? I am four episodes into no. The Sopranos. Okay. I'm not kidding. That's great. Right? And look, we both know that those are both good shows. I, everyone says that, but you just, I mean, there's not time for everything, but all of a sudden now there is. So. so, I mean, we're both finally watching two classic shows that everyone's agreed are some of the greatest television ever made. Yes. Now, this is the spinoff of Breaking Bad. It's actually a prequel. Now, right there, I'm out. I inherently despise prequels. I think they are dramatically dead. You know where it has to get. The tension is gone, okay? I can't think of any prequel that I thought was ever any good. The Star Wars prequels are garbage. All these alien prequels are terrible. I just think they are inherently, dramatically a waste of time. Because like I said, you know where these characters have to get. There's no mystery. But yeah. this is the exception to the rule. Even though you know where uh, three of the main characters have to get to, doesn't matter because the other characters, the new characters on this show, you're on the journey with them. You don't know their story. You don't know how it's going to end. And they're able to create so much tension on this show. God, it's so good. Now, it's an AMC original. And people, oh, you're breaking your rules or whatever. I don't care. Dude, the rules are out the window. The rules are out the window. If I like something, I'm going to tell you how much I love it. There are five seasons. The fifth one just concluded. The first four are streaming right now on Netflix. It's ready there waiting for you, Joe, after you watch Breaking Bad. I would say this. I wouldn't watch Better Call Saul unless you've watched Breaking Bad because they're, you know, twins almost. 
And I think if you just watch that without Breaking Bad, you'd be like, huh, I don't get it. Now, this show is a slow burn. You got to really invest in it and take your time with it. But the dividends are huge. It is mm, fantastic. Now, it stars Bob Odenkirk. He plays Saul Goodman, the lead. Jonathan Banks, Ray Seahorn, Patrick Fabian, Michael Mando, Michael McKean, Tony Dalton, and Giancarlo Esposito. Top-notch work by all these people, specifically Ray Seahorn, the female lead. Magnifique! Was she hot? That wasn't a um, hot for thing. That was, she's so fantastic. She's, say, say, bon, magnifique. Oh, oh, oh. You know, like, a, she's like a great uh, French dessert. I don't know what you're doing right now, but. You know what I mean? I'm, no. I'm, say, I'm saying I'm not hot for, I'm saying she's she's fantastic. Okay. She's a great actress. Now, I don't know what she was in, I think, a Whitney Cummings show. Remember she had that NBC sitcom for a little while? Whitney. Called Whitney, yeah. right? Chris D'Elia. Yeah. Uh Ray Seahorn was her friend on it. Okay. Not memorable at all. She crushes in this. I think she deserves an Emmy. She is the reason to watch this show. Everyone's good in it. Bob Odenkirk is great. Of course, Giancarlo Esposito, Jonathan Banks. You know Jonathan Banks, right? Sure. Oh, my God. Come on, man. Play with me. Yes, the old bald guy. Yeah, the yes. old bald guy. You know, I do a good Jonathan Banks impression. I don't do impressions, but I'm going to do one. Okay, go okay? ahead. It's like, all right. You wanted to talk? Let's talk. There you go. That's it. That's, that that's even the, longer. That's not the normal <laughs> button. Are we on the right thing? No, we're not. We got to move it. Hold on. I'll switch it. I'll switch it a little bit. Yeah, I know. But thank you. I feel like, you know, that deserves that. No, I never do impressions, but I'm telling you, Jonathan Banks, oh God, he's, he's easy to do. Okay. okay. I, there you go. I'm just, like, I, I love this show, man. It's so great. And like I said, it's a type of thing where you forget about it, but when it comes back, you get into it, you're like, wow, man, I forgot how incredible this show is. I mean, I'm t- I don't know how wow. they do it. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they're able to just, you, you know, like, how are they going to get out of this? Where is this going to go? It's just, the writing is so clever. I, I'm going to say this, and I know people are going to say it's blasphemy. It's almost better than Breaking Bad. Wow. That's, from what I understand, a bold statement. It is a bold statement, but I think I enjoy it more. I really do. Like I said, you've got to take your time with it. But I'm telling you right now, for the love of God, watch Better Call Saul on AMC. The first four seasons are streaming on Netflix. I'm sure season five will be available soon. Binge, binge, binge Better Call Saul. Can I comment real quick? Uh, first of all, I have very mixed feelings about Bob Odenkirk. I know as a you do. Man. I know you do. One I don't of the care. best comedy writers of all time, for sure. He wrote for every late night show and still does. I hate Mr. Show. And really? I hated his Valentine's Day movie, that Netflix original. It was called Girlfriend's Day. He co wrote and starred in it. He's real hit or miss, man. But well, he's at all hits on this one, bud. Okay, I'll I'll take you at it's your word. It's his best for that. performance easily. And he takes real risks in it. You know, he goes for it. Good. Okay. Well, hey, man, I might just get to it if I uh, get through Breaking Bad. Also, I wanted to mention Michael McKean. I don't know if you know this. He was on SNL. Yeah. Yeah. Back you you probably knew that, but sure. yeah. One of the members Lenny and of Swiggy, this is Spinal Tap, and fantastic on this show. I don't know what it is about like comedic actors, but if they play a dramatic role, sometimes it really, really works. Well, this is the case. 
for Odenkirk and McKean. They okay. play brothers. Uh, McKean plays his brother Chuck, and their relationship. Oh God, it's so good, it's so good. I, I, what do you want me to say? I'm done here. I'm done. Okay. It's a binge. Come on, let's go. Okay, speaking of Vince Gilligan, mm-hmm. he did a cameo on, um, I think, one of the best-written half-hour comedy shows uh, that we've seen in a long time. He did a cameo on a show called Community. Ah, uh, yes. We've talked about. Now, the weird thing about Community was it sort of got screwed around w- with NBC, and it went to Yahoo's TV service. You remember that? Yeah. The streaming service that our uh, friend uh, Chris single-handedly uh, brought to a demise. That doesn't exist anymore, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's gone. It's sort of like CESO or ESO. What was that one? CISO, yeah. CISO, yeah. The streaming service was called Yahoo Screen. Yeah, so some of these things don't make it, and I'm just kidding. It's not because of uh, Chris's show, but that was on Yahoo TV for season six because the fans wanted it back so bad that this little startup picked it up. Now... All six seasons are on Netflix. And I'll tell you what, man, you watch season six, it's far and away the best of the whole thing. Really? Because they were allowed to do anything they want. Now, this was produced by, I mean, a lot of people, but Jake Ost, who also did The Office, and um, one of the writers, he used to be a writer's assistant, Briggs Hatton, who also wrote for The Office. I mean, NBC, I get the feeling, is a tight-knit family. I'd like to find out for sure. Maybe they'll hire me or both of us. But anyway, there's a lot of crossover between the production and writing staff of Community Season 6 and The Office, which are both obviously great shows. Season 6 of this thing is so freaking good. The jokes just come faster than you can even process them a lot of times. Uh, Let me say who's in it. Jim Rash uh, really shines in it. Joel McHale's okay. He kind of plays the straight man. You know, he's funny. Gillian Jacobs is funny. Allison Brie, who we've said 20 times on here, is great. And uh, Ken Jeong. Don't forget Danny Pudi, Donald Glover, and Yvette Nicole Brown. This show's just, it's too much. It's so funny. I've watched season six. I mean, I put it on in the background like while I'm doing stuff. But I think I've watched it twice in the last few weeks, just having it play on loop. It's so funny. Now, I remember watching the first episode... And I was like, this ain't going to work. And I watched it with a friend of mine, and we both agreed, like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. But guess what? It found its groove, and it found its groove big time. Yeah, it took, I mean, it changed a lot. The thing about this show that I love the most is they take risks big time. They have, every season, they have an episode where the whole school plays paintball. Yeah. And the way they stylize it is incredible. It's almost like a... Lonely Island type of like parody of an action film. You know, they have an episode that's claymation an episode where they're all puppets. They do a lot of weird stuff because they can. So I've always liked that about this show is that they totally take risks and do things unconventionally, especially for an NBC show. And maybe that's why I didn't work there, but it did work on Yahoo. Now it's all on uh, Netflix and you got to check it out. I went to one of those Paley Center Q&As with the cast Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was interesting. You could tell everyone hated Chevy Chase. Yeah, and so by season six, he was gone. But I think we talked about this a couple shows back, that it was allegedly a very dysfunctional set for a lot of reasons. That was the gist I got when listening to them. 
Also, the executive producer and creator, Dan Harmon. Yeah. Strange dude. He's he's yeah. he's an out there guy. I think he's a comic genius, but he's he's a weird guy. Well, it's interesting to me to see like because I love The Office too. Like these are two shows that I have playing on TV when I'm home, just for background noise. But you start to notice in the end credits, you see a lot of the same producers and writers, and you're like, oh, wait a second, maybe there's there's that Greek guy Starburn. Oh, uh, Dino Staminopoulos. Right. Is the name kind of like you? I know. I say that I'm just, hey, did I write for this? It's like, no, that wasn't you. I'm like, yeah, I can tell my bank account. <laughs> right. I heard an interesting story. Well, it's not appropriate for this. I'll tell you later. Okay. Anyway, sorry, listeners. <laughs> It's disgusting is the thing. But yeah, Community Season 6, all six seasons are on Netflix. And uh, we don't normally review stuff that went from network to streaming. But again, the rules are out the dang window. So there you go. Speaking of Office crossovers, Greg Daniels, Steve Carell have a new project. Uh, According to my resources, and that would be the internet, May 29th on Netflix. Is going to be the premiere of a show called Space Force. Yeah. What's it going to be about? I don't know. Obviously, it's a takeoff of Trump's Looney Tunes Space Force (laughs) division, right? The sixth branch of the military. Right. I don't remember when that whole announcement was made that we're going to have a sixth branch of the military. About like a year and a half ago. But they got right to work on this show. I feel like it wasn't that long ago. They they must have cranked this thing out. I'm sure sure they heard like Space Force and were like, hey, guys. Trump just came up with our new show for us. (laughs) (laughs) You should get the executive producer. It's going to be terrific. Yeah, May 29th is the premiere. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. It's probably going to be like a half-hour oh, show. Uh, it's eight. Oh, good on you looking that up. I, I do research for this, man. That's really all I have to offer. Congratulations. So that's going to be something we're definitely going to check out for sure. I'm sorry, 10 episodes. <laughs> I can't read my own notes, but I do make them. Okay. But it's it's not going to be a full season. And the article that I read, I mean, this stuff gets reposted everywhere, but... They're like, hey, the uh, 24 episode seasons of sitcoms might not come back. I mean, there might not be like The Office and Parks and Rec and stuff that ran, you know, half season here, half season in the spring. I mean, Netflix has just totally changed everything. And we're getting 10 of these. And uh, it seems like that's about as many as the streaming services will put out. I wonder how writers feel about that. I mean, because let's face it, 22 episodes money wise is way better than 12. Yeah, you know, well, and it, like you said, it takes a while to hit the groove. So the first whole season of this thing might suck. We don't know. Also, as they're weekly, right, you get to see what's working and not working. When you do these Netflix shows, you do them all at once. So you got to hope this is working because there's your whole season. You can't really tweak it as it goes on and go, oh, the audience is responding to this. They like this. They don't like that. You're, you've shot your load. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy, man, because, you know, you've worked on movies and stuff. It takes a year and a half to make a major studio movie with all the resources they have. So you're making basically a 12 hour movie now in six months. Yeah. I don't know how they I don't know how they crank it out. I don't know. And the production value on these shows, I'm not saying Space Force, we haven't watched it, but these one hour dramas like, you know, you're talking like a 12 hour movie and they look cinematic. Yeah. You know? I think this is going to be a short one, man. I don't have a whole lot else. I, are you looking forward to the new um, Quibi thing? Oh, God. A couple listeners are like, you got to check out Quibi, right? It's too insane not to review. <laughs> in, in its defense, I guess no episode is longer than 10 minutes. So you can really crank through these shows. 
Now, I have yet to download the app. I guess you can get it free for three months. I'm thinking about doing it, popping that cherry and seeing what it's all about. I don't know if I want to watch shows, though, in portrait mode. Call me a get off my lawn kind of guy, no. but I like a you know I like a landscape aspect ratio on my shows. You know? Oh, you mean the way that people actually see things in real life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna film a video with your phone, okay, for the love of God, just turn it to the side and shoot it like a normal human being, okay? Now yeah. I know they've made this show for that portrait mode, and some of the directors are like it was interesting to have to shoot in that you know aspect ratio. I hate it. I think it looks amateur. It looks stupid. And I think it's lazy because people don't know how to like literally turn their phone on its side. I don't like any of that. And I'll tell you what, the the big problem I have with it is they're like, oh, look at all the stars we've got. Idris Elba, Chris Hemsworth, Chance the Rapper. And I'm like, okay, if you're making a top 10 list of people I don't want to watch shows of, it's those people. Get someone likable on the thing. Did you say Chris Hemsworth? Yeah, I mean, I guess I like him, but it's not. I'm not going to tune in to see him. It's got Sansa Stark. She's in a series where she's like, you know, getting from a plane crash or climbing on a mountain. I don't know. What is she? Is Princess Leia or something? <sighs> I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to humor you. Forget like it. baiting you. Yeah. The previews that I've seen have not compelled me to even really look into this anymore, but I guess we probably will have to at some point. I think point. we could do it as a goof. I guess. We could, do like, we could do like a quibby episode where we just like rip through stuff. Right? I don't know. Audience, yeah. what do you think? Should we bother with this? Let us know. Should we do Quibi shows? Because do you care? Yeah. Are you still listening to this episode? <laughs> Speaking of things that should only be 10 minutes long. Yeah, right? This one felt quick, but the last one was long, so I guess we're all even now. But let's get one more review in before we go. I mean, we've done one review. Can you at least get two? Okay, so I've got a documentary that you're not going to even believe that I watched. Oh, maybe I don't want two reviews. (laughs) But go for it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You grew up uh, in a pretty, uh, it was a small town type of like maybe like some religious conservative type of like small town place, right? No, not really. I mean, it's a suburb. I wouldn't say I came from a small town. This is me telling Demo a knock-knock joke. Hey, knock-knock, I don't hear anything. (laughs) (laughs) um, Anyway, okay, here's my point. I grew up in a very conservative place and religious and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, some of that stuff is still important to me. I watched a documentary about a bookstore and gay pornography shop in West Hollywood that was a major gay cruising spot. I am so mad at you right now. Now, you know what? I was going to review this next week. (laughs) You've already done it. You know what a gay cruising spot is, right? I know what. Stop (laughs) mad at you, dude. Have you you watched it? I was going to watch it with my girlfriend. I literally had it on the list. We're going to watch it this coming weekend, and I was going to review it for the next episode. But that's out. Do you want me to save it? No. Do it now. (laughs) We're already there. I cannot believe you did this. I haven't even said the title yet, but. Well, I know what we're talking about because I was going to do this. We can save it. No. Okay. Go. All right. Well, uh, this is a documentary on Netflix called Circus of Books mm-hmm. about a uh, store in West Hollywood that used to be called Book Circus. It got into some financial distress. This guy from like the IT world came along and bought it and uh, they didn't have money to like redo the sign. So they just rearranged it and all they had to pay for was the of. So they renamed it Circus of Books. Now, this was back in uh, 82. Now, 
I wasn't in LA in 82. I guess you weren't either. No. But that was like, I think the explosion of like uh, AIDS and stuff around then. 81. Yeah. And so uh, West Hollywood was, and still kind of is, I mean, people call it boys town and not like as a pejorative, it's just like gay city. You know, the uh, logos on the side of the police cruisers in West Hollywood are rainbow flags. They are? Well, they're uh, rainbow flags in the shape of the uh, city boundaries. Yeah, that's true. And the crosswalks are rainbows, a lot of them. It's very, very gay friendly. I used to work in West Hollywood. I don't remember any of that, but I believe you. Well, so this is like Santa Monica and like Doheny or something. I worked at Santa Monica and Fuller. Right, okay. right by uh, the target there, stabbing target, as I call it, because <laughs> oh, someone was Formosa. stabbed there. Yeah, right by Formosa. Yeah. I call it stabbing target because that's where someone was stabbed. Yeah, well, a lot of people have been stabbed in a lot of places. But but check this out, though. I was at it the day the stabbing happened. Oh, I didn't no even thing? know about it. I went there, right? Did my little shopping. I grabbed, I forget what I was getting. Just a couple little things. And I get home, and my buddy's like, oh, what'd you do? Oh, I just stopped by Target. He goes, oh, funny. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, there was a stabbing there. I'm like, what? Literally two hours before I got there, it had been like, you know, cops everywhere. It was chaos. No one even mentioned it when I was in there. I had no idea. Yeah. So, But now we call it Stab and Target. Okay. Anyway, this documentary is about uh, the people who bought it in 82. Uh, Barry Mason, his wife Karen, who... Now, here's the whole crux of this documentary, is that they are very conservative Christian people. They're Jewish. And they bought this gay porn store, basically, because they thought that these people should have somewhere to go. And so the whole first act of the documentary is kind of about having people be able to have a place to go. And like, yeah, maybe you're not a fan of uh, gay cruising. You know, not you, but other people may not be fans of it. And it's like, so now they're going to support this bookstore. They're going to let these people have a place where they feel comfortable because this was like during the Reagan era. And again, all the AIDS stuff, like pretty I, oppressive. Time. I think that was probably a pretty tough time to be gay. Yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. So the first act of this thing was kind of about how these two people of all people would try and save this place so that these guys had somewhere to go and um, get their gay porn and their, and meet each other and like whatever weird stuff was going on there, they were like, well, they should have somewhere to go. Uh, so that was like, <laughs> in a weird way, kind of moving. I thought that was cool. The second part of it kind of changes tone uh, a little bit because it starts to ask some questions about, well, this was when AIDS was kind of blowing up and some of these places kind of proliferated that maybe a little faster than it would have happened naturally. So there's some questions about, well, the morality of it, I guess. Is it okay to have a place where people go and hook up and have unprotected sex in the bathrooms? You know, like maybe that wasn't such a good idea in the 80s. That's kind of a tough question to even try and process. Then in the third act, it kind of changes tone again about what their role was and if they regret doing all that or not. Now, the whole thing was made by their daughter, Rachel Mason. She's the documentarian, and it features interviews with Larry Flint, uh, who's dead now, right? He's alive. And it featured um, a couple of gay porn stars that also passed away like from AIDS in the 90s and stuff. So 
you kind of see like the unintended consequences of something that seemed like a kind act. So it's very, very complex. It reminded me of American Factory in that it just sort of tells what happened. There's not really any judgment. I mean, this girl's doing a documentary about her parents' store. And obviously history has, you know, shown kind of how things went down in the 80s and 90s in that area. But it's very complex to try and process all of it. But I'm calling it right now, dude. And I've only done this one other time. I'm calling it. Best documentary. When was released? This year? Just it's a now. 2020 release? It premiered at Tribeca in April about one year ago. And it just started streaming a couple weeks ago on Netflix. Sorry, Joe. Even though it just premiered on Netflix, it is a documentary from 2019 and not eligible for an Oscar anymore. I'm definitely going to watch this. Yeah. I'm sorry I ruined your No, it's okay. It was literally like (laughs) what I was going to do for the next show, though. I've calmed down on it. I didn't didn't even want to tell you what it was. Once you started the first sentence, I went, oh, no. You're yeah, stepping I, all over my review for next week. I got on it like the day after it came out, but I thought, you know, for me, like this type of stuff is so far out of like the way that I grew up in, like the town that I grew up in and where I like the whole West Hollywood thing is shocking to somebody who isn't used to that, you know? Right. And so to like understand those people's story is uh, really fascinating to me. That's the best thing about documentaries though. Seeing someone else's life and their perspective that you normally wouldn't, you yeah. know, that's, that's what I look for in these type of things, right? Tell me something I don't know. Show me someone's life through their eyes that I wouldn't normally get to see. Yeah. Right. So I'm on board. This sounds like a definitely, uh, something that everyone should see. It's good. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, be open-minded and, uh, watch it. There's not anything vulgar or pornographic. I think they blur out any nudity and stuff, but I ain't worried about any of that. Well, not, I know, I know you wouldn't, but anyway, that's circus of books. It's a documentary on Netflix. It's about hour and 40 minutes. I believe it's one hour and 26 minutes. It's fascinating. That's the only word I can use to describe it. Hey, that's a great word for it. If it's something is fascinating, it's worth watching. Right. So that's an obvious binge for me. And maybe an unlikely binge, but it's good. Now, I'm sitting here soaked in my own sweat. Yeah. Do we have anything else to talk about? We got about? nothing. We're done here, uh, man. Okay? I am exhausted. Let's get out of here. They can find us on Spotify, iHeart, Apple iTunes, pretty much everywhere you can find a podcast, YouTube. You can reach us at bingerpurgepodcast at gmail.com, Twitter, bingerpurge, Instagram, bingerpurgepodcast. Reach out. We're here. We'll read it. I mean, we get so little of the stuff, we'll definitely read it. Especially now, we're bored. So, yeah. As always, we want to thank Just the Facts. You can follow Just the Facts on Instagram at the Jesse Greer. That is J-E-S-S-Y. And that's it for this week. For Joe Taylor, my name is Demo. This has been Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.